everyone. Welcome to Two Barstools and a Knife, our first part podcast to talk about the ins and outs of the hospitality industry and really to talk about the ins and outs of being a faculty member on quarantine. I'm Nathan Dodge, joined by Connors and Chef John Noble Massey. Three of us are faculty members at FIU Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management. Brian and I are the founding members of the Bacardi Spirits Management Program, and John is one of our culinary faculty at the school. Hello, guys. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, morning, Chef. So the purpose of this weekly podcast is to discuss different sectors of the hospitality industry, both front and back of the house, Uh, talk a little bit about us, talk about what we're eating, what we're drinking, what we love, um, what are we doing during our quarantine. Um, We love questions, so please find a link down in the show notes to get back in touch with us. Hello, gentlemen. So how's everyone doing on quarantine today? So far, so good. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in South Florida. But, uh, yeah, quarantine has definitely been uh, something different. Days get uh, a little bit longer, but still tremendously busy, which is a good thing. How about you, Chef? You know, keeping busy the same as you all. I'm finding, you know, I did a lot of cooking beforehand, but even more so now with a little bit of the extra time and that and trying to make sure I'm top of all of the school stuff as well. Nathan? Likewise, you know, I'm, I'm cooking a lot more than I used to. We're, we're doing a lot of takeout, but I'm definitely cooking. Um, playing around with some mixology, doing some cocktails. But, you know, for the most part, this podcast is going out to members of the FIU Chaplain School. And they know my wife, Don Fagman. So she has got a honeydew list for me. So I've been out in the yard and cleaning the pool and trimming the hedges and picking coconuts. So... I am definitely not bored. I, I wish I had a little bit more downtime than I actually do. I was going to say the students may want to know a little bit more about our background. So, uh, Brian, why don't you share a little bit about your history? I mean, outside of uh, teaching, we know you're an awesome professor, but what are you doing outside of that? Thank you, Chef Massey. You know, I still believe in, I still consider myself a young faculty member, even though we're all getting a little bit uh, older and better. Uh, but I still uh, consult to industry, uh, not as much as I used to, particularly with the new uh, Bacardi Center of Excellence. But um, I still try to keep my, uh, if you would, uh, feet in the water of what's going on to kind of keep uh, incredibly relevant and bring that relevancy to the classroom. I think uh, one of my longest clients with a lot of students know about as I was with the Cruise Lines for six years as their uh, beverage and wine consultant and basically their wine educator. Uh, not only was I doing negotiations uh, for the duty-free market, which is probably a great topic for us to talk about in the future and how the duty-free market works, uh, but I was also training 265 sommeliers around the world. So when I wasn't in the classroom, I would literally be running to the airport, jumping on a jet, meeting a ship somewhere, which is um, challenging. Uh, I did see uh, a great part of the world doing it between Alaska uh, a lot of the Mediterranean, a lot of Baltic, um, to Russia, to Copenhagen. It, it's for six years, it didn't stop. And then this time of year, um, when the cruise ships are running to the Caribbean, I would literally fly to St. Martin, St. John, uh, excuse me, St. Thomas, St. Croix, and then meet a ship, train uh, the teams of sommeliers on board, uh, and then take the ship back to Miami or Fort Lauderdale, and in some cases, run directly to uh, class and, and bring that new uh, knowledge and that experience right to the classroom. So, uh, but currently these days, not to be too long-winded, 
Uh, we're building out a restaurant concept uh, in Coral Gables that is part of a spirits brand, actually a mezcal producer out of Oaxaca, Mexico. Uh, and we're working directly with them to create a restaurant concept that will be inspired by all things Oaxacan. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Oaxaca is kind of the food mecca of Mexico, as well as the majority mezcal producer. And I'm sure we'll talk about mezcal and tequila, but remember two different things. So that's a little bit, and we'll talk more about that as we progress. Uh, Chef Massey, how about you, sir? Well, you know, uh, I think we all know that uh, I'm a culinary guy at school teaching mostly culinary classes. I will be doing a lecture class over the summer, uh, restaurant management, but uh, basically, I've been cooking since I was knee high to my dad, about 30 years in industry, most recently as a regional vice president for about 15 years with a large contract food service provider, coincidentally, the one that's uh, supplying the current food services at our campus. Uh, like yourself, I have a thriving consulting business that I'm still active in. Uh, I have clients as diverse as uh, a resort down in Negril, Jamaica, where I've done some guest chef work. Uh, I have relationships with the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association. They have an annual conference, which unfortunately is canceled this year, where I judge a culinary competition. Uh, and then one of my other big clients is uh, UMass up in Amherst. I do some work with college and university food service, either consulting on the operations side or with uh, UMass. I actually coordinate uh, the culinary competition up there for their annual conference. I've been doing that for seven years, and that's just a, a, a great experience to work with awesome colleagues and coordinate a ACF certified culinary competition. Uh, ACF is, uh, for those that don't know what ACF is, it's American Culinary Federation. It's a trade organization for chefs and educators. So I'm proud to be the local chapter president here as well for that. So uh, always have something interesting to do and uh, keep my edge sharp by uh, having those activities. Yourself, Nathan, a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So I've been at FIU for about 10 years now, started as their uh, scheduler and how all things go, it's kind of made its way back. So I, while I am teaching, I'm also preparing the schedule. And we're going to talk a little bit about the classes that we're going to be offering come fall for this new beverage spirits management program. Um, my background, though, is a little strange. Right after high school and beginning of college, I started working for Alma Renicar, which then became Alma National Renicar, which now is Enterprise. But um, I started just doing reservations and, and quickly moved on and, and Worked for the um, international sales and marketing team, did pricing for their entire European um, division. So that was really my walking into revenue management. So I am one of the revenue management instructors at FIU. After Alamo decided to move to Tulsa, I was not so keen on moving to... And at that point, I did a complete shift in careers and I started fixing air conditioners and refrigerators. For about seven years. So while I'm not a uh, really a culinary guy, I can fix pretty much anything that's in our kitchen. Um, ice machines, refrigerators, heck, stoves, warmers, salamanders, pretty much if it's in a kitchen or in a hotel, I can fix it. Uh, so I do some of the um, facilities classes as well because of, of that background. Heck, I've even fixed um, elevators. I don't know if I would ride on them after I fixed them, but meh. <laughs> um, so now I'm at FIU, like I said, about 10 years. Um, 
And we're really excited that we're starting this new beverage or spirits management program. The uh, It has been approved. It is going to be a, a, not a certificate, it's a degree path. So if you decide to join the spirits management program, at the end of it, you will still get a bachelor's of science in hospitality and tourism management, but you will have a specialization in spirits management. So, Brian, uh, do you want to talk about some of the classes that we're going to be teaching this fall and that are in the program? Absolutely. So we redeveloped some of our pre-existing courses we'll talk about. What we're probably really excited about is the creating of the new. This fall, we'll be offering, as of right now, three courses, potentially four, uh, but as of right now, three courses. The first one's going to be an introductory course, and it's going to be global beverage world, basically. We wanted to be able to develop a course that is a great introduction, not only for our hospitality students, but also for business students, marketing students, so forth, and really kind of opens them up to the world of what's going on in beverages. So we'll be covering beer, wine, spirits, um, other non-alcoholic beverages, as well as social responsibility. And those are kind of the, the key pillars of that. So for example, we'll spend a few days talking about uh, or weeks talking about spirits. And we'll look at the very basics of difference between a clear spirit, a brown spirit, uh, what are the differences of rum. And when we talk about rum, for example, we're gonna invite um, our friends at Bacardi uh, North America. They'll be able to come in, probably one of the brand ambassadors we're working with currently, uh, and be able to talk specifically. There will be tasting components in this course. Uh, so there is a, a hands-on or kinesthetic approach to it all. And I'll be teaching it. So really looking forward to that. We've been developing that for over a year now. Uh, it's already approved, as Professor Dodge said. And we're probably looking at about um, 50 to 60 students in that class. Uh, and it is filling up, which is great. So if you have interest in that, it's going to be um, HFT 20, excuse me, 1020 uh, International Global Business. Um, hey, Brian, can I ask a couple questions about that class? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So a couple things. You said you'll be doing some non-alcohol taste or non-alcohol instruction. Um, I know that John Noble Massey over here is a expert on tea and coffee, right? Yes, I love both. So that's, I'm assuming when you're talking about the non-alcoholic stuff, that's what we're focusing on is teas and coffees? Yeah, as well as bottled water. That's a huge market right now. Yeah. Um, others, uh, when I say other, like, People don't realize that everything from sodas, teas, and I'm saying about cold beverages and packages, um, I have a relationship with a gentleman that goes by the Beverage Whisper, and he talks about that segment of really developing a brand and how that all kind of works. Because that falls under the beverage world as well. It's not just going to be uh, spirits, wine, and beer. It's also going to be these other sections. But I have a feeling we'll be inviting uh, Chef Massey in to talk about uh, coffee and tea and probably some of our also partners from Ely. Um, or Lavazzo will be joining us those days. So that's just that one course. Um, Professor Dodge, you want to talk about the fine spirits? Uh, so the art and science of fine spirits. I'm, I will be teaching HFT 3065, the art and science of fine spirits. And, well, this class is going to really focus on, on how are spirits made, but really what's the difference between fine spirits and, well, just regular stuff. And some of that is going to be based on how it's made, the ingredients, ingredients that are used to make it, the equipment 
some of it is just as simple as the marketing behind it. Um, there are different manufacturers that will turn out the exact same product, classify as a fine spirit, and one they classify as their call spirit, where at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot different. So we're going to really talk about what, what makes a fine spirit fine versus the marketing behind it. I've reached out to a few different distillers in South Florida. There's um, a rum distiller in Fort Lauderdale. I found a gin distiller, depending on some time, if we can do a weekend field trip, I'd love to go down to Key West where they have a uh, rum distillery down there. And well, it's, it's Key West. So that would be just fun. On if you need additional road. chaperones, that would be fabulous. If you need additional chaperones. I would love, I would love to invite you guys. Come on down with me. Um, so that is the class that I'm teaching. And Brian, though, we've got one more, I think. Yep. For this semester coming up. Yeah. So another one that I'm really excited about because it now combines two things that I'm incredibly passionate about. So the beverage world and as well as entrepreneurship. Uh, so this will be uh, a capstone style course. So this is going to be HFT uh, 4064. Uh, and this is going to be called beverage entrepreneurship. Uh, and this is where we'll use um, business models, but incorporate uh, a beverage, let's say, not a model so much, but so we'll take a beverage brand. That's a good example there. And how we take it from the startup phase to launch to financing and so forth. So it's really looking at how do we start something up and create the new. So it's going to have a mix of the management side, the leadership side, but of course the entrepreneurial side and what it takes to do that. And we're definitely going to be bringing in uh, industry on this on a regular basis. So we'll talk specifically about brand marketing, uh, how to develop a brand out. We'll team up with our partners at Bacardi and some of their brands from Great Goose, for example, or Doers uh, and how they do it. I think some of the marketing right now that's being done in the spirits world is fascinating. I was actually listening uh, to another podcast the other day uh, regarding trends in the industry. And for years, wine was on an uptick uh, as well as craft beer. But the trend is showing that particularly the millennial generation are gravitating more towards spirits. Uh, so we'll definitely capture some of that and why that's taking place. But just look at some of the marketing they're doing right now. And it's absolutely fascinating. So uh, the three courses are going to be offered in the fall. Uh, we are possibly also going to run uh, Beverage Law uh, we're in communication right now with potential fantastic, actually. She was in-house legal counsel for Picardi. Um, I had a great um, call with her last week, so if that works out, hopefully we'll be able to do that, if not in the spring. Uh, and I, I know uh, Professor Dodge will be able to answer a little bit more about that. But any of these courses, feel free uh, to contact us directly, but also talk to your advisor. Uh, we've informed them all uh, before we all had to go in quarantine of what was coming uh, and how these courses are going to look. Uh, as well as Christina. Uh, she's also very well of knowledge when it comes to what's coming out. And she knows how to get contact with us right away. So that's what's coming up. Anything else I'm missing out there, guys? Um, I was going to mention that a couple of things. So one, you did say that there will be tasting involved in your, your 1020 class, your intro class. Mm -hmm. Now, that is an introduction class. So most of the students will be lower division, freshmen, sophomores. Um, how is that going to work as far as tasting? Great question. The key thing is that we're tasting, we're not drinking. Um, you know, there's a great saying that uh, we're not drinking, we're learning. Um, but uh, it's true. Now, there is a state statute that was passed many years ago. I can give you the whole history of that, where it came from, but it started up in Good. New York, um, <laughs> uh, where it all came from. But we are uh, eligible to use that state statute that in an educational environment and using proper control measures that it is a tasting learning experience. 
uh, that will be monitored, that we do have a set of rules that we need to follow to be able to do it. But I think that really kind of brings a full circle there, you know, when we're able not only to talk about, learn, we're able to experience because we all taste something completely different, you know, and that could be a whole other podcast as well. But why you like is what you like and how that all goes. So we are not breaking any laws. This is all part of the, the magic of this new program. Now, I wanted to um, make one more comment, and that is for some of you who have just stumbled upon our podcast and you're not members of the FIU Chaplain School family, um, you're also able to take these courses. Make sure that you reach out to the school. You can either take them as degree-seeking. There will be availability for um, some non-degree-seeking programs as well. Um, they wouldn't be these classes, but there would be non-degree-seeking classes. But Contact at 305-919-4500. We're located in North Miami at the beautiful FIU Biscayne Bay Campus. Um, we'd love to have you come down. John, did you have another question, another comment? I, you know, I, I did because, you know, I, I, I look at it and, I, you know, hey, I'm the food guy hanging out with the two awesome beverage guys and, and many of the students out there and, and other prospective people may say, you know, why focus on beverage so much? And... And the school itself, in, within the world of hospitality, almost all hospitality programs have some type of food service. And those food services offer beverages. And the better job that students or managers do in offering an awesome beverage program and offering it in a unique way, in a knowledgeable way, uh, increases their personal value and increases the value of the experience that they deliver to the end guest. And uh, for, for me, I look at the, it, uh, from a monetary perspective as well, and while I'm passionate about food, I also know that about 30% uh, on average of our sales are generated from beverages. And while it's 30% of the sales, it typically represents about 90 to 100% of the profits that are generated at, a, uh, at any food service. So uh, just putting some meat behind, in addition to the great experience that you're going to give students uh, in these upcoming beverage classes, there's also a very, very tangible benefit that will deliver increased value to them from an educational experience in whatever they do in the world of hospitality. The other reason that we, we are focused so heavily on food and beverage is, for those of you who are not familiar with the Chaplain School, well, there's two big reasons. The first one is every uh, February, because of our school, we put on the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, which is one of the largest wine and food festivals in the world. And the other reason is our name. Our name is the Chaplain School. And who are we named after? Uh, right. The Chaplin, Chaplin family, who are the founders of Southern Wine, excuse me, the Glazer Southern. Uh, Southern Glaziers. Southern Glaziers, yeah, it's, it's a whole new one. There. Southern Glaziers Wine and Spirits. Uh, but they're great partners with us. Uh, talk about that. They, are, they also uh, give us not only just product, but also uh, knowledge in the classroom, which is great. Fantastic partnership. So, yeah, that's, that is, those are the reasons why we are so heavily focused into um, food and beverage. So. So what else is going on with us? All right. So that's a little about us. That's a little about the classes that we're teaching. Um, if we haven't bored everyone to death yet, let's, uh, let's kind of jump train. 
right. So how are we filling our time under quarantine? Uh, Chef, yeah. I'll let you start this one out because obviously, you know, we, we want to get the culinary component in there. Uh, I'll give a couple tips on time management. And then I think uh, Professor Dodge will have an opportunity to talk about, you know, what's he making lately? Uh, what's you mixing up in the old uh, mixology lab, also known as your dining room? Uh, so it's good. So, Chef, what's cooking? Well, I, I can tell you that, as I, as I said initially, I think I've been doing so much more cooking, period. But the other thing that I'm trying to incorporate into what I'm doing is uh, supporting local businesses. I have had a great relationship with a local farm up in Boynton Beach. They are selling their vegetables. They deliver about 15 pounds of vegetables Asian vegetables. They had uh, cauliflower, uh, a couple of varieties of bok choy, Chinese broccoli, fresh cilantro, all of this stuff in a huge box. And I've just been trying to work through that. I've made some really good stir fries. I've got some shrimp marinating today for a shrimp dish I'm going to make. Uh, I've certainly been doing more baking. I baked some fresh cinnamon rolls the other day, banana bread. I've got great recipes for that. So just trying to stay busy in the kitchen, uh, supporting a local business like this local farm. And uh, that's what I've been cooking. I also did uh, a wonderful, we've been starting for the, the, the faculty, we've been doing these culinary demonstrations. And, you know, the first couple I did uh, at school, and then we transferred to Nathan's house to do a couple of those because his kitchen is awesome. And then yesterday I did a faculty demonstration uh, and which I got some great feedback for. So that's what I'm doing. Nathan, yourself. So what have I been doing? I've been, I don't know if you, if you guys probably did know this. So we had plans on going on hospitality at sea this year. So we were going to do oh. a cruise. Um, it was supposed to go from Fort Lauderdale, end up in Amsterdam, a uh, 14 day cruise. But that has been, they put the kibosh on that because, well, nobody's going anywhere. So I'm getting that class redone because I still have 25 students that we will be doing a hospitality not at sea. So I'm going to teach revenue management over nine days. Wish me luck. Actually, wish the students luck on that one because that's going to be a lot of fun. So trying to set that class up. Broke the crock pot out a couple times and made a great chicken cacciatore, which paired nice with uh, a really, really big Cabernet. That was, that was delicious mm -hmm. the other night. I have not made it over to the liquor store, but I did find that ABC and Total Wine both deliver via Instacart. So so thank you guys. Big shout out to Instacart. They've <laughs> really kept my social distancing distance. I appreciate that. I increased a couple bottles. One of the things I didn't mention in my, my intro is that I do some uh, – whiskey talks and I'll go out and I'll talk to groups about different types of whiskey, uh, difference between bourbon and whiskey and scotch and Irish whiskey and rye and all sorts of, I'm a big brown spirits kind of guy. So I, I have increased the amount of brown spirits in the house, much to the dismay of the wife, but uh, picked yeah. up a, a really nice bottle of Jameson over um, St. Patrick's day, one of their black barrels, which was really nice. Uh, unfortunately, one of the big things I have been doing is making a lot of desserts. So I was doing crepes mm. every day. So that I need to get Ooh. back on the Peloton because it's not going to be a good experience when I get back to work. 
uh, one of the things I don't think I put on pants in a while, just shorts and uh, sweats. And uh, I'm afraid the jeans are going to be a little tight to button up. So we we all need to worry about that a little bit. Hey, uh, Brian, what are you up to? Yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of, I know we get a lot of questions coming our way, but probably, you know, when I'm on these Zoom calls, conference calls, uh, particularly people from outside the university, one of the most common questions I get is, you know, how do you manage your time? And again, you know, probably one of the best answers I've been um, heard or best advice I can give is treat it, you know, this quarantine experience. And I don't know if you guys agree to like it's a a day of work. So get up, uh, you know, I'm kind of with Nathan on that one that I might not be putting a sport coat on every day, but uh, I try to get uh, in front of the computer and everything else uh, early in the morning. I try to keep a, a regular schedule because there are a lot, uh, as Nathan was talking about earlier with the honeydew list or suddenly you see something you want to get done, but uh, kind of keeping almost a very similar schedule that we did uh, at the university that I'm able to kind of get and be very productive. I don't know about you guys, but I, I felt the these last couple of weeks have been really productive of getting things done and so forth. And I also like the fact that it's forcing us to get very creative. This, for example, or other ways and other things we're launching. Bacardi Teach is coming up as well. We've been working real hard on that, uh, developing content. That's going to be something for the industry as well as for our students. We'll talk about that in up and coming podcast as well. But again, back to the time management, you know, exercise the same way you would exercise and, and kind of get up the same time when to get up, have lunch when you have lunch. And then when it's time to wrap it up, there's nothing wrong with a nice cocktail or a glass of wine or cold beer at the end of the day. It always kind of tastes better after a good day's work. You know. And I, all right, let's move on to, well, we've gotten a lot, a lot of questions, and please feel free to keep the questions coming. Um, we'll share with you guys some contact information at the end, but uh, we went through a few of the questions this morning as a team, and I know we all have individual uh, questions that are being brought to us by the FIU uh, Bartenders Guild, but they're doing a great job, so... Um, I'll throw it over to Chef Massey. I know he's got a question on wine. Professor Dodge has a question regarding spirits. Uh, and then actually, I have a question too. Uh, someone was asking me about screw caps versus corks. So we'll go through those questions uh, and answer them. So Chef, I'll throw it over to you, sir. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just one other thing that I did, I, I actually hopped on um, a website, the wineries out in California need support just as much as our local businesses. So if you have the means and the inclination to order some wine, I ordered myself a case from one of my favorite uh, vineyards out there. I'll give them a plug, uh, Fela, F-A-I-L-L-A. If you're familiar, they, they make awesome Pinots and Chardonnays and just really good wine. Uh, so the question that that I get asked often and that was put to us uh, from the uh, Bartenders Guild was, what is decanting and then why do it? And as a wine drinker, I probably decant almost 90% of my wine, whether it be in an actual crystal decanter or they now have these wonderful uh, handheld decanters where you just pass the wine through that. The purpose of decanting is generally twofold. The uh, original method for decanting was to decant into a crystal decanter and pour the wine gently while holding that wine neck over a candle to prevent sediment from getting into the the glass. That way, the sediment, if you pour it gently and slowly, the sediment remains in the bottom of the bottle you're pouring from as opposed to in the wine that you're going to drink. 
there's no harm in consuming that sediment, but it does affect the experience and you do want to try to have that stay in the bottle. And those are typically obviously for more aged wines. The other purpose for decanting is aerating the wine, sometimes you and improving the flavor. Sometimes you may drink a wine uh, that you haven't decanted and you'll notice that that wine changes while it sits in your glass as it's exposed to oxygen and air. And wine enjoys and benefits from the uh, aeration and, and you improve the flavor of it. So twofold, uh, to prevent the sediment and then to improve the flavor. Uh, one thing I always recommend when I have taught wine courses in the past is if you have a guest that's brought a wine bottle in, uh, always ask them if they want it decanted. That's a question for the guest, not for you to assume. And that way, sometimes if a wine has been aged for a significant amount of time and you choose to aerate that wine, it can also lose its flavor by being exposed to oxygen too much. So just be cautious of that and have the guests decide. And it's also a good idea to taste wine at different intervals of while it's being decanted. And that way you get to experience the wine at different points. And then you get a expand your knowledge of what the sweet spot is for a certain wine, whether it needs a hour of decanting or two hours or, or more. And usually decanting for just a half hour, an hour really opens a wine. up, And I would recommend it highly for 90% of the wines that are out there. And off to you, Dodgy. All right. So the question that I got from the Bartenders Guild, which the Bartenders Guild is one of our, our newest uh, clubs and organizations on campus. It is run by Christina Mogul. She's actually, she's sitting in the, uh, the, the, the wings of our podcast. She's one of our producers. She's probably waving right now and embarrassed that I'm calling her out on this. But um, actually, I do want to do a shout out to two of our two producers, Ulitsa Ulitsa Souza and Christina Mogul. They're doing a great job, and we cannot do these podcasts without them. So thank you guys very, very much. But Christina's Bartender Guild came up with, God, they had a ton of questions for us. So the question that I figured I'd answer was the, what is proof and how is it measured? Now, I am the, the spirits guy, and all proof is is the amount of alcohol in a beverage or in a spirit. Pretty simple. Now, proof is really twice the alcohol. So if you are drinking a, a whiskey that's 80 proof, what that means is it is 40% alcohol by volume. Now, the way that it is measured now is they use a hydrometer and they check the, the actual weight of the, um, the spirit. So they put this hydrometer in, and depending on how low it sinks into the, the spirit is the, the weight of it, and that is how they come up with the, the proof for the alcohol. But the way this proof actually started, it's an old Navy term, old British Navy term. And what the Brits would do is take, because actually on British Navy ships and during the pirate days, they were allowed whiskey and rum, which... I think still the British Navy does allow alcohol. The American Navy does not. But the British Navy allowed these, allowed you to bring alcohol on board. And they would pour a little bit of rum down and on top of gunpowder. And they'd light it. And if it flamed, then it was of proof. And actually that meant it was at least 57% alcohol. 
if it didn't flame up, it meant it was underproof because there was more water in it. And it, it wasn't, they didn't think it was any good. So really that was the, the beginning of proofing was they just poured liquor on gunpowder. And if you watch any of the, those um, moonshiner shows, they'll, they'll do the same thing. They'll pour the moonshine on top of gunpowder and light it up. And it actually is pretty spectacular to see the gunpowder flame on top of corn whiskey or, or whatever it is. So that is what proofing is. That's how it's figured out. But it, it's really not that exciting when they just put a hydrometer, hydrometer into it and say, oh, it's 40% alcohol. Um, it is a lot cooler when you're you're burning stuff, especially gunpowder. So, uh, Brian Patrick, what do you got? What are you talking about? You are a huge nerd. You know that? I really am. <laughs> Good, though. I like that. I haven't heard that story yet. Um, yeah. So the, the question that was brought to me um, when I selected was, um, what's up with the screw cap uh, versus the cork? Is one better than the other? Now, uh, I'll try not to be as nerdy as Professor Dodge, but... This is actually um, a pretty common question. As a matter of fact, this is the number one question uh, when I was traveling and doing kind of guest lectures um, on board cruise ships that the guests would ask me. They, they would say, it's a screw cap. Is, does that mean it's cheap wine? I'll even do my, my cruise guest voice. Is that wine cheap because it has a screw cap? Now, certain gen- <laughs> it's true. Certain generations um, will automatically see a screw cap and think Thunderbird, which was a product done by Gallo, um, in the, in the sixties. And I even remember my, my, my late father used to say, Oh, Thunderbird, what's the word? And he, all, when he saw the screw cap now times have changed. Um, screw caps are a good thing. Also known as Stelvin enclosure. That's the brand name of it all. Um, and the answer is yes. Is either of them better than the other? Mm, it matters. Now let's talk about natural cork. So cork, uh, allows something called micro oxidation. How's that for nerdiness, Dodge, huh? That is. There you go. So it lets a microscopic amount of air into the bottle that will help a wine develop. Now, as Chef Massey was talking about decanting and how it really opens up wine, well, that micro-oxidation can also have a negative impact, and that's why some wines become a little bit off and they need to be recorked and so forth. But a screw cap is a perfect closure. Okay. As a matter of fact, 90% of production coming out of Australia as well as New Zealand are now, now screw cap open enclosure. Now, I like it because you can put the cap back on it, put it back in the fridge for uh, home consumption. If you have this behind the bar, it's great for by the glass programs because, again, you can seal off the wine, holding its overall integrity. The challenge with it is that it's not sexy. You know, there's something romantic about uh, when you're sommeliers at the table and they pulling out the cork and the presenting and so forth. When you have the screw cap, there's really nothing that's that sexy about it. Uh, would you like to smell the bottle cap is always the joke on that. Uh, that's a whole other podcast as well. But they're here to stay because um, there's also a cork shortage in the world. So the cost factor of a natural cork versus a Stelvin enclosure does vary uh, depending upon the producer. Uh, but I don't know about you guys. I'm a big fan of the screw cap because it's a better overall method of closure. Um, it doesn't allow that micro oxidation, but all right, you'll see more and more high quality producers using the Stelvin enclosure because it eliminates the risk of uh, being tainted by cork. And that's a different topic altogether. But I like screw caps. They're a good thing. All right. 
Thank you, Brian. Now, this is a audio-only podcast, but John, Brian, and I are on camera, and we're looking at each other, and the entire time, Brian was playing with a bottle <laughs> and opening it up and closing it and tapping it, and he just showed his cork. So, you know, once a faculty member, always a faculty member, and we, we do like our props. You know, we are almost at the end of our, our fun first podcast ever. What else should we talk about before we, uh, we sign off and wrap this up? I think there's a, a great opportunity now to really kind of look at your schedule for the fall. Uh, we're all putting a lot of energy towards our fall courses as well as our summer courses. Um, but uh, for the fall courses and talk to your advisor. Uh, and again, feel free to reach out to any one of us as well. Uh, if you have any specific questions about uh, the Bacardi Center of Excellence, any of the spirit management courses we have developing. There's going to be a lot of new stuff uh, coming out. So you're going to see a lot of changes uh, for the fall. Uh, We might be slowed down just a little bit, but we're still uh, working real hard to make sure we create a great experience come fall. And for me, I would just say uh, three things. Uh, Stay positive. Stay positive. If if you aren't thinking positive, you've got to stay positive in this business. This really challenges everybody with all of the things that are going on. And and the really successful people in this business are the ones that are flexible and stay positive, uh, stay engaged. And if you're staying engaged and connected with us, whether it be through this podcast or anything else, it helps with maintaining that positivity. So I'd encourage you all to stay positive and stay engaged. And I'll say your third one, and that's um, stay home. Please, please, yeah. please stay home, wash your hands. We, we are all going to get through this, but we all have to get through this together. So um, please stay home. Let's, let's stop the spread of this COVID-19. It really is. It, it's hurting the industry. It, it's, it's hurting our business. It's hurting our livelihoods. So please just stay home, wash your hands, and, and we'll all get through this together. Perfect. Thank you, Professor Dodge. So check us out. Uh, I know you can take a look at the Bartenders Guild on Instagram, FIU Bartenders Guild. Uh, we will have uh, Cardi Teach. That will be also be coming out, as I mentioned earlier, for industry as well as for our students. So there's going to be opportunity for badging or micro-credentialing, but that's just going to be a one-stop shop. All great information uh, coming out on the spirits world uh, as well as other beverages that are going to be there, up-and-coming events and so forth. So that will be launched uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, and again, if you have any questions regarding uh, any of the topics we talked about today, uh, but also about uh, the new programs coming up, uh, or you want to have a specific question you'd like us to talk about, feel free to reach out to me directly at bconnors, C-O-N-N-O-R-S, at fiu.edu. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your questions, and uh, we'll gladly answer them. Uh, and we'll try to keep it funny, too. That's at least our goal. Not as boring, right, boys? That's right. So like Brian said, um, all of our information is available, um, especially down in the show notes for those of you who are driving and unable to uh, write this stuff down. But our phone numbers, our email addresses, please, if you are unaware of the um, Chaplain School at FIU, please check out our website. Um, We might have some program that you are interested in. So we'd love to see you come down in the fall. Chef, do you have any closing comments? I'll, I'll just uh, verbalize uh, my contact information as well. Massey at FIU.edu. My Instagram is at John Noble Massey. And then please, all of the cool stuff that the students are doing, I've been really impressed with seeing some people and they're tagging the FIU Hospitality uh, Instagram account at FIU Hospitality is, is nice to see and, and again, helps stay engaged there.
All right, gentlemen. Well, I think we had a successful first podcast. We're going to try to do this every Tuesday. So hopefully it'll be up for for the listening pleasures of all of our students and, and people out, out in the cyberspace on Wednesday. Um, again, thank you to, to um, Brian Connors, Chef John Noble Massey. Definitely a big shout out to Yulitsa Souza and Christina Mogul, our producers. We couldn't have done it without you guys. And um, hopefully you'll check us out next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.